0: To get started, visit plushcare.com slash loss. That's plushcare.com slash loss. Hey, welcome back. Uh, so I am here today with your, your Thursday uh, COVID-19 update. Uh, one of the trends that I want to start off with talking about here is is the fact that in, in just the last week, uh, it, it seems as though almost everybody's talking about the coronavirus, the COVID-19. And, of course, the reason for that is, well, it's, it's all of a sudden – Everywhere in the media, and it's affecting all of our lives with with you know restrictions on travel, restrictions on on number of people I can meet together. Uh, of course, the stock market, the markets as a whole, have been hugely impacted by the coronavirus in the last week or two. And now all of a sudden, it's everybody's talking about it. And I don't just mean our friends, our, our family members, neighbors, et cetera. I, I mean people that that like me have you know a podcast or or a youtube channel in the alternative media mainstream media on twitter i have a following and everybody's all of a sudden a covid-19 expert right everybody's all of a sudden an expert in epidemiology and and certainly i've said from the beginning though i don't in every podcast but uh i am certainly not an expert on all of this business i don't hold a degree in any of these fields i epidemiology, virology, pathology, even biology, right? You guys know I'm a grad student, soon to be a doctor of, of physical therapy. So, I mean, science, I guess, but not, and not any of this. I'm not a statistician, not an epidemiologist, not any of those things, right? Uh, And, and certainly out there, there are people that are more qualified than I am to speak on this matter. Chris Martinson, who called this from the beginning, uh, back in January, really, uh, He's, he's certainly qualified to speak on this and has been spot on on most of his uh, statements and predictions about this, this coronavirus. Um, on, on Twitter, you know, I actually started a list that I recently shared on my Twitter uh, following some different people from finance as well as uh, medicine and, and research, on the research side of things, that I consider experts on this matter and I, I consider an authority on this matter. For example, you know, one of the guys I followed from the beginning, uh, Dr. Eric uh, Um or Ding Figo. I I don't remember it off the top of my head. Find him on Twitter. He was he was actually recently named you know the number two influencer on on this subject matter, second to to the head of the World Health Organization. And from early on in January, I noticed, hey, I mean this was you know the second half of January probably. Here is this guy who rarely tweets. Who you know when I search coronavirus on Twitter, this guy's name keeps popping up. That, I mean, those types of things got my attention. That's who I credit a lot of this to, the fact that I've been talking about this since, since you know, for a while now. Um, so be careful where you get your information from. Um, and and certainly those that, you know, I, those that have just picked up on this topic in the last week or two, um, certainly be skeptical of that as well because they're not getting the full picture here. Granted, I don't have the full picture either. I, I don't come to be an expert uh, nor do I have the full picture because I don't have the full scientific background of an uh, epidemiologist or a virologist or a pathologist or a statistician might have, right? I don't have that. Um, and certainly I haven't been on this topic like some of those Chinese doctors have been since you know December or early January or even before that, right? I don't have that. Um, but what I can say is, is I and, and plenty of others, Chris Martinson, Eric Townsend from Macro Voices, um Jim Bianco, many others have been following this for a long time, and we have a bigger picture than somebody that suddenly is arriving on the screen or on the scene sorry and is uh telling everybody stay calm this is you know i mean there's there's a lot of things that just kind of i guess irk me and and it's whatever, but it's of all of this there's there's kind of two camps that that kind of frustrate me because because this isn't the end of the world this isn't something I'm panicking over and in fact. As I've said in the past, I've seen very few people actually panic. Maybe they're out there, right? People fighting over it. Then you know, there's a video a couple weeks ago about people fighting over a toilet paper a week or two ago, right? Maybe they're qualified as panic. But a lot of people are just preparing. They want to be prepared. And they want to, in the case of toilet paper or beans and rice or whatever, they want to have enough on hand in the potential lockdown scenario. And, and that means they might need to go buy it before somebody else does, right? That's just preparedness. That's not panicking. Very few people I see are panicking whatsoever. That term gets thrown around a lot, and I think it's very inaccurate, right? I think a lot of people are relatively level-headed, concerned, maybe worried, maybe afraid, but not necessarily panicking. And and so there's this group of people out there that are saying, this is just a hyped up by the media, um, this is not a big deal. Look at look at H one N one. Look at Ebola. Um, look, you know they even you know SARS or or MERS or whatever. You know, give your you know take a, an example of bird flu over the last you know ten twenty years, and you'll see that all of them didn't really amount to a whole lot on the global scale of things. In fact, actually though, you know in response to those types of things, you know I posted a, a video over on Facebook earlier. Uh, this one was out of Italy. It was a video from I think the Telegraph, uh, UK publication, um, and it was a nighttime video of a uh, of an Italian city, Bergamo, and and it was a street, and, and you know, this on the street was a uh, at the front a, what looked like a probably a police officer's vehicle, and then finally uh, a whole line. I didn't count them eight, ten, twelve, I don't know, a whole line of military uh, uh, transport trucks, um, yeah, like like a troop carry, not like an APC, but, you know, a truck, right? And, you know, allegedly, according to this video, which, I mean, I, I have no reason to doubt it, uh, they were carrying bodies, right, transporting them to the uh, crematorium or the cemetery or something along those lines, right? Maybe one in the same, uh, maybe they're at the same spot. And, and I posted that basically saying, look, we, we didn't have – did we ever see this? Does anybody remember seeing this in a first world country with Ebola or with the bird flu? And, of course, the answer was no. You know, maybe those types of scenes were present with Ebola in parts of Western Africa, right? Uh, but certainly not in the Western world, not in a first world or really a second world country, you know, whatever, that, whatever those designations mean these days, right? This is so different, and it's so early on still, right? You you can't compare. It's apples to oranges, it's not even apples to oranges. You know, it's like a, it's like comparing an apple to a garage. Comparing what the impact of the coronavirus in terms of cases, confirmed cases, and deaths have been now to something like H one N one in retrospect. To just compare the the sheer number of cases, sheer number of deaths. That's that's a huge fallacy, right? You have to compare the rate of those things. And and it's true that we don't have the full data, and it's reasonable to expect that we won't maybe ever, but have a good idea of just how many people are asymptomatic, how many people, you know, what's the actual rate of deaths with the coronavirus. But again, if you even just look at the example of uh, a line of, of military trucks carrying bodies through a first world city, uh, first world country, or, or China's reaction to it, um, following the, the outbreak in Wuhan or, or, you know, the breakdown of the Italian, eventual the breakdown of, of many other countries' healthcare systems. I think that's evidence enough to say that this is not the, the swine flu. This isn't a bad flu. This is more severe than that. Not as severe as, as Ebola, right? I'm not saying we're all going to die, but it's something to modify your lives over. And yet I'm seeing a lot of people just saying, you know, don't panic. In fact, you know, one of the – what what's even worse, I think, is when you have a financial advisor looking at what's happening in the markets and what's happening here and maybe throw on top of it a huge, you know, MAGA 2020 Trump supporter – and and all they're saying is don't panic. This is the media hyping this up, slash maybe Democrats or whatever. And uh plus, you know, the the market's been down and, and this is a buying opportunity, even though I've been saying buy and hold all along and now, you know, my position is down thirty, forty percent from from its peak like a month ago, right? Um just the the amount of, of just kind of denial from these individuals that are saying this the people are getting too panicked about this. The the crash in the mar- markets aren't justified at this point. Uh, the the hype in the media, which yeah, the media does hype this up a lot, um, but that that's not justified. Uh, that's just a that's a state of denial. They don't want to believe it for uh, whatever reason, because they don't think the market should be going down for once in the last you know ten years. It's it's gone down to other points, but but never this bad since since the financial crisis. Maybe it's a political thing right i and and you guys know i'm not a partisan guy i'm not a democrat i'm not a republican i can look at this objectively and and say that what trump is doing right now is is a good move in the right direction he's taken it very seriously i think but early on he was far too dismissive of it you, know, you maybe you don't remember the speech but but you know a couple of weeks ago and he's saying you know we have uh, 15 cases here. You know, I think they're all doing well, except maybe he said you know one was was ill more ill than the others. Um, but pretty soon we'll probably have none. And and now we have like over 10,000 confirmed cases. Right? That's that doesn't look good, right? Uh, and it's not to say he is the only one. I'm not going to throw it all on Trump, but I'm not going to also be dismissive of that, right? Um, but but of course, that's not to say, that's not a pro-Democrat message either. I mean, the Democrats haven't done any better, right? Um, I, I think some, you know, I'll have to say, you know, as much as I'm not a fan of somebody like uh, Cuomo in New York, and I think there's some things in this response that I probably wouldn't agree with, he, uh, he's, he's been not that bad of a leader, right? And I'm talking about the governor of uh, New York, right? Still disagree with 99% of his politics, but he's been doing a pretty good job, I think, right? Well, I will say here in my own state. Uh, Tim Walz, Minnesota, Democratic governor, not a fan of him and his policies, but he's been doing a not bad job. Um, I actually want to get back to Minnesota here in a second, not because of, I mean it's where I live and it's important to me, but but well, real quick, the other group that that really I think bugs me about all of this is is the people that say this is a conspiracy, a conspiracy to vaccinate the world population, <laughs> a conspiracy to to crack down on our rights, a, con- a conspiracy by the left, a conspiracy by China you know and and I understand the skepticism you guys know I'm a skeptic right and early on even to this day you know I think some skepticism I I get the science you know I get it but if you're gonna say like yeah maybe this was a bioweapon or maybe this was something that came out of, of China or that the US and I get that I I'm willing to entertain that level of skepticism I personally am not at that point you know maybe a month ago month and a half ago I was you know thinking that that's a real possibility But that's not necessarily my – but I'm open to that. I I get that skepticism, right? Um, But the idea that this is a plan to vaccinate the world population, which, by the way, most of it's already been vaccinated, um, a plan to – by the left – right uh that the media is hyping this up more than it should be i mean what does italy and china have to do with that i mean why is why is italy why is every european country complicit in this left wing media plan to take down Donald trump it, it it makes no sense you know um uh especially when when you realize that you know even if china's not a huge fan of trump i mean it's not like they're, they'd be a huge fan of of a different president either uh it's more of a, a nationalistic thing than a than a single leader um you know i'm I'm, I'm just not willing to entertain that. I think it's it's really unfortunate that that and, and then the whole you know cracking down on on. US liberties, you know, that's that's a thing that I'm really concerned about. We all remember 9/11, most of us. and, uh, and of course we, we've all seen the level of freedoms and liberties, particularly things like privacy that we've lost following 9/11. Um, but does that mean that 9/11 was I mean a hoax didn't happen? Eh, I think that's even pretty fringe among the 9/11 truthers. And again, I'm willing to entertain plenty of skepticism to the to the to the official narrative about 9/11. But I'm not going to say it didn't happen. I don't know who did it. I've my own thoughts on it. Um, but I think we have to realize that this can be a really bad virus that gets even more dangerous as a a a country and its healthcare system is overwhelmed by it. Very deadly virus. I think that. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA member FDSE. can be true, along with the fact that the government's still going to use this to clamp down on liberties, potentially long-term, even once this is resolved. I think those two things can are not mutually exclusive. Those things can both be true. So, with that out of the way, um, gosh, I'm like 13 minutes in already, and it's just been a rant so far. But, I mean, what else are my podcasts other than just big, long digressions? Sometimes I have structure, and, and I guess that's my structure today. But, but in terms of updates on cases, there's not a whole lot of bright spots, um, with the exception of the usual, uh, South Korea, Hong Kong, Singapore. You know, those countries occasionally have been reporting some increases. South Korea, I think, was a triple digit today. But eh, pretty minor in the whole scheme of things, especially since they have a probably pretty good handle on it at this time. You know, it's not we can't you know signal all clear, but you know, doing better than than say United States. Um, United States, it's it's continued to look pretty bleak in terms of the uh, the number of positive you know confirmed cases. Um, most European countries are in the same boat. Italy obviously has been hit the worst, and and it continues to get worse there. Their healthcare system is at an ever increasing. Risk of of really falling apart in some areas if it hasn't already, um, but but the same is going to be true I think very shortly for for Germany, Spain, France, the UK, uh, and in many other you know smaller countries that we don't necessarily have to list. There's been a lot of other countries: the Philippines, you know, uh, 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 India, Brazil. Uh, and others that that continue to see you know double or triple digit increases in their cases on a daily basis that does not bode well for those countries which have an even more lacking healthcare infrastructure than than Europe or the United States um, and their testing is probably much poorer than than a lot of these countries. Um, Iran uh, is perhaps maybe even hit the worst uh, on a per capita basis than any other country in the world. I I I would, I would find it hard. For to to take, to, for anybody to ar- argue otherwise. I mean, their their official stats are not that bad, but unofficially, I mean, we're looking at potentially tens, hundreds, of thousands dead already, right in Iran. Um, it, it's it's so hard to say, but but probably many many more on the way. We don't even know where the peak is in Iran, if it's hit yet or not. Um, but but really, a bad situation there. Um. And, and in the United States, you know, the, the daily increase hasn't been huge. In fact, according to worldometers.info, you know, uh, the USA is at a plus 2,521 as of uh, today, uh, up a little over 2,500 today, which um, isn't crazy high. In fact, that's pretty similar to the day prior. But again, a, a problem with that is, is testing, is enough testing being done? And I'll give an example of my home state, Minnesota, which, by the way, on a per capita basis, has done a pretty decent job testing, right? Still, I think, far behind a lot of countries around the world, but but up there on a per capita basis with uh, the likes of, of New York or Washington and whatnot, and, and thus far 89 confirmed cases. Um, however, because of some uh, problems, uh, the amount of new tests per day has sort of leveled off. In fact, yesterday it decreased on a, from yesterday to today, I think it was less than, less than 400 new tests, right? I think we've run something over a little over 3000 tests here in Minnesota, but here's the kicker, you know, our governor yesterday was talking and, and, and this is a bit of a concern for me and I'll explain why. Um, he was talking yesterday in a press conference and he mentioned that there were, you know, of the 3000 plus tests so far back then, you know, less that, that had been done. There was a full 1700 tests, that were sitting frozen because they were unable to process them. Now, why is that concerning for me? Well, obviously, first of all, in those 1,700 tests, there's bound to be some number. His guess, I think, was 100 positive cases. I think it was 100. I don't know. It doesn't matter. There's going to be a lot of positive cases in those. And what that means is that there's people out there, whether in a hospital, self-quarantining at home, or maybe not self-quarantining, that... Don't know what their result is. Maybe they just assume it's a negative because they didn't hear anything. When in reality, nobody knows what it is. Why is that dangerous? Because people are going to modify their behaviors, including the the individual infected as well as healthcare workers treating them. They're going to modify their behaviors a lot based on whether or not there's a positive COVID-19 test on record. If not, you know, the quarantine, the isolation, you'd be more willing to to ease up on that if you weren't uh, positive. Why is else? Why else is that concerning for me? Well, thus far, you know, I live in more of what you call northern Minnesota. Thus far, officially, we don't have any confirmed cases up here. But a couple days ago, you know, I'm reading articles about how you know two of the top um, healthcare systems up here have sent a ton of tests down, and they still haven't received confirmations. They haven't received results back on a, a large amount of those tests, meaning. But there's probably been positive tests up in my neck of the woods, and we just don't know it yet. They haven't been actually finished yet. They haven't been read. They just, they're sitting frozen, literally frozen. Uh, and, and so why is that? Well, first of all, I'd like to know. Second of all, the healthcare system, I think, up here needs to know. The individual infected needs to know. And I think the broader society up here needs to know. Because without those positive test results, behavior modification, social distancing is not as big of a deal. And this is just a case example of of Minnesota sort of airing my grievances. And it's not necessarily, I think, the state's fault. Some of it was a bit of a mix-up between the state and the country, uh, the the federal government, right? Um, And, of course, there's obviously a whole bunch of supply chain problems uh, in the whole testing process, right? You can't put all the blame on just the state. But it's frustrating, because a lot of people in my state, I, I don't think, are aware of that news, that that ton of these tests haven't been done yet, that testing as a whole is very scant. Three or four hundred tests a day for a, a state of, you know, what, four plus million, I don't know what the population of Minnesota is, that's inadequate, right? And and the same story is being seen over and over again across the United States. Eventually this testing will get ramped up, and it's, it's going to be too little too late, this idea that somehow through testing we can control this outbreak, like South Korea, that's a pipe dream because there are too many outbreaks, there are too many uh, cases of community spreading of clusters. Um, you know, we're over eleven thousand confirmed cases a week, week and a half ago. You know, mentally I was sort of given an estimation of you know just how many cases are there in the United States at the time. It was much much lower, probably in the thousands. One thousand, maybe I don't know. Yeah, my my mental estimate was maybe ten to twenty thousand, and I'm realizing now that with the limited social distancing since then, you know, sporting events and whatnot that have been closed or canceled, uh, the the doubling rate has probably been something like I don't know five days. You know, maybe increased a bit from like four days. Yeah, maybe it was lower. Maybe it was three days, two and a half days, because there's just a total lack of social distancing outside of, you know, maybe parts of Washington or parts of other places. Um, I'm I'm thinking that my my estimate was wrong back then by by at least you know half of of the actual total. Maybe it was closer to twenty to forty thousand. And what that means by now, we're we're looking at, I think realistically, at least a hundred thousand cases here in the United states. When when you take into account asymptomatics, when you take into account the vast majority of people that have asked for tests and have not received one, the huge amount of tests that, for example, in the United States or in Minnesota haven't been run yet, um, that's huge. That that's out of control. That is not something that you can corral like South Korea has. Right? We have a full couple thousand more confirmed cases than they do, but unconfirmed. Uh, um, ones that are walking around or in a healthcare facility without a confirmed COVID-19 test, tens of thousands, perhaps over a hundred thousand by now. That's a, that's a huge deal. And, and what that means is that that's going to continue to, to spread rampantly and, and, and tons and tons of little community spread cases here, there clusters here and there. And, and finally huge outbreaks all over the place in nursing homes in, in workplaces, in, in houses, uh, across the country, hospitals. It's, um. you know, what is the doubling time now? I mean, social distancing has come into play maybe seven days, six days, eight days. I hope it's longer, but, but I'm not so sure. You know, I see stories of like spring break. Maybe you saw some of those videos of kids basically saying uh, – Look, I mean, this is my spring break. I'm not going to throw this away by social distancing. I'm going to live it up. Uh, Teens that are probably going to be fine if they get infected. Though that's not always true. I mean, young people can get very serious illnesses from this and and die. Um, But at a much lower rate. That's that's reckless. That's careless, right? Uh, What about... Uh, you know, the many workplaces that haven't closed down, Tesla included over in Fremont, California. You know, what about those places? What about uh, the many, many nurses and, and doctors, et cetera, that I was talking about yesterday that just have inadequate personal protective equipment to deal with this and are going to end up infected pretty soon here? You know, what about the households, the friends, the families that are saying, eh, well, I, you know, at least I'm not going to sporting event, at least I'm not going to work. It's fine if I, you know, still have contact with a handful of people outside the house. You know, that's that might prove to be inadequate to really slow this down enough, given the number of cases at this point. And I'm not trying to be doom or gloom, I'm not trying to be panicky here. I'm simply saying that this is if anything, the whole idea of the media hyping this up. One thing that I'm not getting from the mainstream media for the most part, nor from the administration to a, to a great extent, is this acknowledgement and even publicization of the fact that confirmed cases is probably a small, small piece of the whole pie of the actual amount of cases here in the United States. That's true for other countries as well, but other countries have done a far better job of testing as a whole. Whether we're looking at China, Italy, um, um, South Korea, uh, some you know Middle Eastern countries, they've all done a much, much better job. The UK on a per capita basis have blown us out of the water. So it's, it's going to be a long haul from an economic, from a financial, from a market side of things, from a societal side of things. This is going to be a long haul. I'm hopeful that treatments come out. I'm hopeful that eventually a vaccine is going to be developed. Um, but I'm, I'm not staking my hopes on that you guys know I'm a realist and I'm not going to to um, unrealistically expect those things to to clear up this this problem in in the nick of time. that's pretty unlikely. so anyways um, the the logarithmic growth goes on behind the scenes if not according to these total case numbers um, And the same is true for, for deaths, same is true for the number of people that are in a serious or critical condition, um, and and I think the the effect on on the economy and the markets will will continue to take their toll. So, um, trying to stay positive out there. I know this isn't a super positive podcast, but uh, we'll we'll make it through this. Most of us, <laughs> and that sounds morbid, but most of us will. Um, but but seriously, you know, what what is the difference between this lasting? three months or four months and maybe a month and a half or whatever. I mean, before some of these restrictions can be lifted up on or, or social distancing can just, to, you know, we can ease away from that slowly. The difference between that is, is what we do now, what you and I do right now in terms of social distancing, right? Um, what the, you know, how we educate our family members, our loved ones, especially those that are elderly or other or otherwise at risk, um, and, and and how we you know support the healthcare system despite this huge uh, uh, challenge that they'll be facing in the coming weeks and months. So as always, thank every I'd like to thank every one of you from the bottom of my heart for tuning into today's podcast. And God bless.